What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the best, the greatest, the pound for pound analysis in the sport of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by the person I am always thankful for, Miss Kayla Beatty. What's up, G? What's up, fight fans? So it is Wednesday, November 21st, the day before Thanksgiving, Kayla. Kayla, I am thankful every week that we have our show, that I have a lovely partner who is brilliant. But I want to toss it to you. What other stuff are you thankful for? I am thankful for just having a great life and opportunity. Oh, my gosh. That's so Miss America. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I mean that in the best way possible. You know what? I, I got to say, it, it really is. You and I, we get to do a lot of uh, cool stuff. Um, I got to say, I think that life's been good to both of us when we really look at the big picture. So I got to say, I am right there with you. You know, I, it's been a good year. I got good people. It, I'm thankful for that kind of stuff. And thankful for always some good fights, if I may say so myself. What about you? Yeah, I mean, good fights. They keep on coming. We keep having greater uh, matches put together. So it's kept it interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're going to, I mean, we have a very insane week. Also, I really like, I can't wait to bring this up next week, but we'll get to that, you know, at the end of the show. To start it off, we go back to Argentina for the fight from Buenos Aires. Neil Magny taking on the home country guy, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Kayla, this one, you know what? I was feeling some sort of way about it. It was a great fight for Santiago, a tough fight for Neil. But how did you, what did you think of the fight? Yeah, it was almost hard to watch for me because, you know, Santiago was able to just put that pressure on and just completely shut down Neil Magny's game plan. I think, Um, you know, or just not, I mean, not only just give not giving him the space, but the pressure and relentlessness was just like, man, it was just hard to watch. And, you know, and on top of the accuracy of the, you know, leg kicks and um, just power shots, um, hitting Neil Magny it was it was it was hard to watch for me but a really great dominant performance for Santiago and to you know get a finish with that kind of performance too I mean he wanted to make a statement and I think he did you know I I I feel two ways about it I'm gonna break down the good um he really did like you said executed a great game plan stayed right in his face he was going for power shots he was being a little more disciplined which I appreciated He wants to show that, you know, you kind of want to sometimes demonstrate that you're ready for the next level. And sometimes it can almost work against you when you just put these guys to sleep very quickly. So I appreciated what he was doing. I agree with you. The leg kicks to the calf clearly had an effect on Magny. He was landing good punches. Credit to Magny. He did a good job when he could use his height and range. He really didn't allow Santiago to put together a nice, clean combination. And I think that's why he stayed in there so long on top of other factors, which I'm going to address. But that knockout, when when you're a guy like Santiago and you knock out a guy like Neil Magny, it really looks like the tree falling down. It was just one of those finishes. 
it's the highlight he needed. And at home, I was very impressed with it. I love this post-fight interview. A lot of great stuff. Kayla, I want us to go back a little bit. We had the fight earlier. I want to say it was in May. We had Kamaru Usman versus Damian Maya. And we were talking about a lot of similar things. You know, Kamaru, if you could put him away, you know, we're going to get excited for it. Kamaru had that decision victory that was a little lackluster. And we were saying, hey, you know, Kamaru's on this great run, but this fight really just kind of kept him making a lateral move. He didn't really make the jump. For Kayla, to me, Ponzinibbio is a guy who he was supposed to fight Kamaru. We could easily be talking about him and Colby Covington as who should really be the next guy to fight Tyron Woodley. And instead, this one, I think when you're talking about making a case for a title shot, making a case to say you don't need to fight somebody else, I don't feel like he was able to do that. Now, part of that is credit to Neil Magny. He is a tough guy who ate a lot of big shots and stayed in it. Credit, some of that is Ponzinibbio. And he chose to kind of, I think, stay more disciplined rather than be a little more aggressive, I think, at times. Whether that was because he was still thought Neil was dangerous or he wanted to showcase his game, I don't know. But, Kayla, the big thing that I took away from it was that Ponzinibbio is trying to say he's ready for a title shot and he's on a great run. But he, he was fighting Neil Magny, who for pretty much three rounds was on one, he was compromised on one leg. And it still took this tough guy at home that many minutes to put him away. I don't think that made the, quite the leap. I think that he's still going to have some work to do, unfortunately, because he couldn't get him out of there sooner. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that we could see one more before he's actually called for a title shot or a fight with Colby. Yeah, I mean, which I want to toss to you. I think... Um, uh, I think they haven't announced anything, but it looks like the writing is on the wall for Colby and Tyron. The only thing is the schedule. So I know that they're doing TJ and Henry in January. The next pay-per-view is the Australia card, which they're doing um, Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. Assuming they don't book, you know, like two champions in one night, then you're probably thinking the soonest, if that that Colby is going to fight Tyron is in March. That means that both the winner of RDA Kamaru uh, next week and Ponzinibbio are waiting probably close to about six to eight months at the earliest before they were to fight for the title. I, th- I know that a lot of people are saying Kamaru doesn't need another fight. I actually think that if Kamaru or RDA were to, you know, whoever wins that one, I actually think they're going to have to fight Santiago before the next one. I don't think a title shot is guaranteed even after the run they've been on. But what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I think if you're starting to get into the top three um, or, you know, title shot contention, I think that that's when you do maybe sit around a little bit because we've seen other fighters want to just stay active. And we know that everyone pays attention to your last performance. So you can take that risk if you need that paycheck or if you just want to stay active competing. Um, But I think that if you have a nice run and your name being discussed, or if you want to stay, you know, as an alternative in case someone gets injured, I would probably say that they should do that. Colby and Tyron 
is a fight that's going to sell itself. It can do a pay-per-view. It can do a main event because both of them have so much attention on them. Obviously, Colby for his mouth. Tyron, who's, you know, kind of had a resurgence maybe with these newer fans of finally recognizing his skill. That's a fight that's going to sell. So if even if you're there in audience, you know, waiting as an alternative or waiting for, to be the next in line, it's going to keep the attention on you. So, um, yeah, they could take another fight after, you know, RDA and Kamaru, but I, I don't know if that'd be wise. It, it all depends on, you know, when we see Colby and Tyron booked, I guess. So you would say maybe wait a little bit to see how these dominoes are falling before you jump too soon into another one? I think so, because I think the very fighters that we're talking about have been super active in the last couple of years, which has helped them get to where they're at. If you need to take a little break and you can still obviously train and, and stay in good shape, you know, I would, I would say do that. We've seen other fighters in the past take that chance of trying to fit one more fight in there and then they get knocked out or something happens and you're out of conversation. Yeah, I th- I think it's gonna. I think for Kamaru that might be a little easier. I hasn't fought since December. If assuming the calendar, depending how it falls, you really don't want to probably consider only fighting once in 2019 either. So I think it'll, he's gonna feel the pressure. I think more than Kamaru if he were to win um, or RDA. So I don't know. It's gonna be tough, but I don't, I agree with you. I think that look at how the first half of the year is looking before you say, okay, maybe I will have to fight someone. Maybe take the fight on the undercard of the Tyron Colby fight. I think that's another possibility. So I agree with you. Maybe wait a minute before you you know start thinking about having to you know put another chicken in the coop. Moving on to MMA news, um, a lot of stuff going on. The big one for LA, Gegar Mousasi is going to be defending the middleweight title against Rafael Lovato Jr. on essentially as the co-main event to Fedor versus Bader. Obviously, Gegard Mousasi riding an eight-fight win streak, going back to his time in the... He's coming off that big win over Rory McDonald. Lovato Jr., very under the radar, but he's undefeated at 9-0, and with eight of his victories coming by submission or TKO. Um, look, Kayla, let's say it like it is. It doesn't matter who you are. When you're talking about jumping up now to take on Gegard Musasi, a lot of people would argue that he's actually the best middleweight in the world right now. This is a big test for Lovato Jr. I think the real story, though, Gegard said that he might be retiring in the next two fights. What do you think about him, you know, using one of them possibly against an unknown guy like Lovato? Yeah, well, I think that Gegard, you know, since he's joined Bellator and and picked up his victories, I've heard him say in all of his post-fight interviews that he wants to give it to who he feels is most deserving. He felt like Rory was that person, and he may feel like Rafael is the next person. And with that record in Bellator and the way that he's finished his fights, I don't, I, you know, I can't argue it. I think that it's cool to see Gegard have the journey he's had in the UFC, make it to Bellator, be a two-time champ. I mean, if you're going to retire and you really feel like you're ready to give up on the sport, why not do it when you're on a high like you are? And maybe he doesn't really have much more he wants to accomplish. Um 
And, you know, this fight does intrigue me because, you know, I think that it's going to, if, if people go back to their basics, um, you know, it could be a pretty interesting fight and, uh, you know, unique matchup just to see how gay guard would do on the ground against someone who has these basics and skills of jujitsu, you know, and was trained in jujitsu for a very long time. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if it's competitive and if not, then it just really does solidify that gay guard is like you said, if not the best middleweight, one of the best that we've seen. Yeah. I think to me, the big thing that I always go back to is that gay guard, you know, he's been efficient and effective at cleaning out Bellator. He's taken out Schlemenko, um, Carvalho, the fight with Rory. I mean, there's not, I mean, look, I hate to be so blunt about it, but there's not really that other marquee middleweight out there that's like, hey, you know, this guy's on a tear, this guy's on a big run that's getting everybody's attention. That guy just isn't there for him. And without the possibility of Ryan Bader, you don't know how that might play out. I still think it's a possibility. But really, Lovato Jr. just, he's the most logical guy. And I agree with you with and with Gegard saying that, hey, you know what? This guy's put in his work. I understand that not a lot of people know him compared to, you know, Rory, but he's, he's the guy who's right there. And also, Kayla, Bellator went ahead and booked Lyoto versus Carvalho. They could have easily said, you know what, just the same way they did with Ryan Bader, Phil Davis, we're going to give you guys a title. We're going to give Lyoto a title fight first. Like, don't risk not having that, you know, big event later. They chose to put Lyoto against Rafael and make that move. So I think that for Gegard to say, you know what, I'm going to just do the next in line then. You know, it's up to Lyoto now to step up. I think it just makes sense. There's really just by process of elimination, not a bigger name guy that I would even want to put in there with them. So I think that, yeah, look, this is a guy confident in his skills. And he's saying, Lovato Jr., I know you're an unknown. I'm going to give you the opportunity anyway, because I am confident that I can take you down and move on to the next big fight, too. It's also, I mean, it's just quite, I understand it. I like that he's just been so active, even though that he could have waited. He could have waited for Lyoto. I think the fact that he has taken the fight is saying a lot. What about you? Yeah, I think it is too. And I think that he has things he wants to accomplish if he sees retirement on the horizon. And while you're doing well, why not stay active? I agree. It's just one of those, I mean, like, hey, if he wants to get in there and he's healthy, like, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I mean, if this is only the last few times we're going to see Gega Musasi, then I think let people know to enjoy your greatness now. Another guy who I think um, might be milking that a little too much, though, is the subject of our next story. Kayla, we canceled it last <laughs> week because he, you know, reneged on his comments. We're talking about it because now he did a, not just a 180. He has now officially made the full 360 Floyd Mayweather says the fight with Tenshin Nasukawa in Ryzen on New Year's Eve is back on. He recently told TMZ that he will be facing him in, quote, a small exhibition with no kicks allowed. Also officially announced the fight again this past Sunday. Kayla, I've not texted you about this. 
for this specific reason, I really just want your genuine thoughts now for the first time. What do you think of the fight? I mean, I don't really know why most of us will care then. If it's something that's going to be for a smaller crowd, um, we know the rules. It, it just it doesn't really make sense to me, except that maybe you want to make a payday or for some reason have that you fought in an MMA-style fight on your resume. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's actually good that it's going to be in this format because I really don't know who would pay you know, a pay-per-view price to watch it. What do you think, G? I mean, the thing that I kept thinking was that um, it, it's got to be money, for one, but also if you're Floyd, I'm trying to look at it as the business side of things or just in big picture about a company in Ryzen that a lot of the casual fans, especially in North America, just don't know about. They have a great, great field of talent. They have a lot of fun fighters. Some of them that people have talked about, like they wouldn't mind seeing in leagues like the UFC. The fact that, you know, at the same time that you're going to have one making their deal with Demetrius and Eddie Alvarez and we're hearing that they're going to sign a American broadcast deal. I think that it's just going to be a positive that you have a small company like Ryzen that's going to have a lot of people watching because of Mayweather. And that might be a bit of a jab to the UFC to say, hey, if anything, I'm going to make you guys a new competitor by fighting for them rather than give you the extra money and, you know, talking up your name and Habib and what have you. So... I think on the business side of things, it's all very clever. I don't expect the fight to hold my interest. I think that it's going to be, you know, Floyd is going to move and shoulder roll. Tension is going to look like a killer. And we're going to be excited to see him fight competition that's more his speed. And I think it's going to be a nice, you know, bit of television. I don't know if it's going to be worth the ticket to pay, but... I think that it's going to be, you know, just a, okay, a decent show, just, you know, for different reasons, if that makes sense. We shall see. I know people, some people are into it. You know, they're into these super wild, wacky fights of Floyd Mayweather crossing over. Some people just find it to be, you know, for those fans that aren't necessarily, res- like, watching for the skill in the sport and not to say that Floyd isn't obviously skilled. It's just that, you know, how long have you been training MMA? Yeah. And if anything, I'm actually more interested, like is, it sounds like they almost were going to do a kickboxing exhibition without kicks, which what, you know, why not just call it a boxing exhibition? So I don't know. That's very interesting to me. But look, once again, Ryzen making that move. I know that um people who I've talked to said that Ryzen has been have been doing a lot of big stuff. For example, right when they announced the or right after they announced the um originally with Floyd Intention, they had this big in English video and just to promote Ryzen, like what are we? And all the people were saying, you know what, that's just brilliant business. Right now when everybody actually is curious about it for once make your name and get all these American fans educated about who we are. So I think that that's just a good move business-wise. And um, I want to see how they capitalize on it. This is a big opportunity, even if it feels more like a circus again, for one company to really stand out. 
Moving on, Kayla, we have two fights, one literally the same day, which means that our work is cut out for us, but they're going to be spaced out well enough. Let's talk about the one that I think a lot of people have been criticizing, Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz, the trilogy now, I want to say, 14 years since their first matchup. Um, Kayla, there's a lot of angles to come at this from. I'm going to leave it up to you. Where do you want to start talking about the fight? Um, the fight's an interesting one. I think that it's one that both men are selling as far as saying that they want to make a comeback and that there's still a storyline here. It's very hard to keep people interested in a trilogy fight. And I think both men are doing well. We got to see their open workouts. I really think that they both look like they're in good shape. The time I've had to talk to Chuck, he is not sleeping on the fact that he's an old guy now in the sport, that the sports evolved past his previous style of how he used to train and fight. So I think that's all you want to know is like, okay, he's not going to just try and go in there and be a knockout artist. He realizes that now there's more levels to this sport. Um, Tito passionate just as just as always um looked powerful his striking looked on point I just I I feel like the people that Chuck is training with aren't gonna let him go in there and not be now just um more conditioned with you know ground game or takedown defense um I don't know it's gonna be interesting I think that it's definitely worth watching um, I know a lot of people had opinions about Oscar De La Hoya, the press conference that you attended, G, and how it seemed like the actual Golden Boy Company isn't really putting together a great fight and or fight night. Um, I'm going to give you some inside info about that in a second. Don't worry. Yeah, I know there's a lot of criticism I read about today of just kind of the it not like I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if I want to get so amped and excited about Golden Boy putting on MMA events because from what I've heard and read it doesn't seem like this is being taken as serious as maybe a one-time thing so um let me start with the fight itself I, I agree with you on everything you said I actually um the things that have surprised me talking to them I think a lot of people, like, genuinely, the big criticism on Chuck Liddell is like, hey, you know, the videos are, like, slurring the speech or what have you, the fact that he doesn't look good. When I've spoken to Chuck Liddell, he looks as a tent alert. I haven't seen these slips or anything like that in person in last week in these press conferences. You know, I like, for example, if I were to say to you, no, who's letting him in there? I have less of those than I did before. That is not to say I think that he is about to be the 20-some, 30-something Chuck Liddell that fans remember. I'm just saying that, you know, these, he's not walking around this some kind of frail individual. I want to point that out. I think that he's actually been very alert, and a lot of the criticism might be coming from people who don't see it as much. Now, with Tito Ortiz, I think that he looks like a very rejuvenated guy. He looked powerful, like you said. He is talking up a good game. And if anything, I think he sees this as an even better one than the Chael Sonnen finale. I think he feels like this one, 
He's getting paid good money to almost have an encore performance of his finale in fighting Chuck Liddell at a time when he really feels like he could get Chuck. Now, I know that there's been a big storyline, inside information and all that. I know that no head coach, I'm referring to Antonio McKee, has given Tito information. Whether or not there are actually people around Chuck that have talked to Tito, that only they know for sure. But I can't say that Tito looks absolutely confident. I don't think he's hamming it up for the cameras, for the um, media. I really do think that he feels good, and I feel like he has this one in the bag mentally. And I think that's just the energy I've gotten from him. Kayla, let me talk to you real quick about Golden Boy. Um, And respectfully, because their people have been nice. Oscar De La Hoya has been very cordial with me. There are things, though, that you just noticed that are concerning. For example, uh, yesterday's press conference was moved in particular in response to Manny Pacquiao having his press conference in Beverly Hills. And uh, the move was done strategically with the hope that more boxing media would come over because obviously Golden Boy is hoping their usual people comes to cover their event. Kayla, I'm just going to say bluntly, I was there. I can tell you that I'm sure a lot of the people they were hoping would make it did not. Also, there are a lot of faux pas that Oscar has made that have made it look bad. His delivery at the final press conference was lacking. He didn't look very prepared. There are the things that people have been noticing, mispronouncing Liddell as Lydell even now. Um, He had this, and I don't know if it was honestly a flub, but it just looked bad. It seemed that he implied that Tito had a previous win over Chuck Liddell, which obviously his fans know never happened. Chuck is 2-0 against Tito. And altogether, when you looked at the finished product yesterday, um, myself and I know other people, we, you know, it looked bad. There was no two ways to put it. And when Oscar De La Hoya says he's still invested in MMA, I really hope that he is going to have, after this first one, no matter how it turns out, more educated individuals on MMA than himself to really take the reins and build it. I think the brand has done very well. Boxing fans will tell you that. But MMA left a lot to be desired. And I would really want to say that from being there in person and watching it all unfold and how it all looked. Um, Yes, well, we'll see. I mean, I think that Saturday's event, it seems like people are interested to at least see how the production goes along and where these guys are at. Yeah, it's going to be at the Forum, which is a lovely venue. You and I have covered fights there. Um, Kayla, before we move on to the UFC, there is still going to be a fight on Saturday, no matter what you think of it or what has been said. Who do you think wins between Chuck and Tito? I, for some reason, have my um, confidence in Chuck. I think that though he, you know, maybe hasn't shown us everything in uh, training videos, or people doubt where his confidence level, I guess, because he's not being as in your face about it as Tito. I think that he seems just kind of calm, cool, and relaxed. And that makes me feel calm, cool, and relaxed that he feels that confident to be back. So 
Um, yeah, I think that he is going to, I think it'll maybe take, like, it'll probably be in the second round, but I think, um, you know, I think Tito's going to go in there and kind of rush to throw something at him. Um, and Chuck's going to be able to stay calm and then eventually kind of get his rhythm. And I feel like I'm seeing another finish, G. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, Kayla. Are you saying that Chuck is cool as ice? Yes. He's sticking to his usual um, whatever uh, brand. (laughs) I got to say, it is very rare that you literally line up the pun for me to knock down. I'm so so thankful for it. Thank you. But, um, you know, I got to be honest. Um, At first, I was really thinking... Chuck, ever since they announced it, I think that stylistically, he's a guy who's just always had Tito's number. And physically, when you talk about his power, he still has the abilities. I wish-washed to Tito for a while, especially hearing him and really thinking about it. But as we wind down, we're about 72-ish hours from the fight. I got to say, I agree with you. I think that Chuck Liddell, quite bluntly, is playing more possum. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to take some direct hits on the chin from Tito, but I do think he's going to be more durable than people are expecting. And I do think that he is going to have the know-how to do what he needs to do and take him out. Um, I actually think it's going to be a bit of a later fight. I think that Chuck is going to have to be more patient. I think Tito is going to be more patient. But I still think we're going to see it go. I want to say this one is scheduled for a regular 15 minutes. So I want to say it'll be later in the fight. But uh, I'm saying at least third round for Chuck, if not a decision. But that's how I see it going. I think that both men are going to impress people with how. uh, I think that people have low expectations that are going to be, you know, surpassed. That's the easiest way to put it. Will you be there live, G? I will be. I'm hoping somebody else will be also, but yes, I, I do plan to be. It is um, the last big event in Los Angeles um, for a major promotion, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm always thankful for more MMA, especially this week. But Kayla, can you believe it? Before we even get to all that, UFC is going to have one. So we're going to go from LA to Beijing, China for Curtis Blades versus Francis Ngannou. This one, um, let's say it like it is, Kayla. What Francis Ngannou are we going to get? And can Curtis Blades really come through and become that next title challenger? I'll toss it to you. What are you thinking for this one? Yeah, this is a make or break fight for Ngannou. We need to see something different for sure. Has he worked out those kinks that kind of we saw in that last fight that, you know, stopped his train? Um. And I think that Curtis Blades, the run he's on and the experience he's gained, um, it's it's not going to be an easy task for him. I, or, or sorry, did you have more to add? Well, I just want to hear from you. Oh, thank you. Um, for me, I really think that it obviously in Ganu, uh, which which guy comes out if he's aggressive, if he's trying to get in there and really put leather on you like he used to. This becomes a very different fight. No, way, no two ways about it. 
Now, stylistically, I think that Curtis' game plan should be the same no matter what type of Francis you get. And that would be to mix it up just like he did with Mark Hunt and Alistair Overeem and actually look to take it to the ground. He has power. He is a big guy. He can hit you. I'm not saying he's a slouch on the feet. I do think that there is too much on the line for you to want to take unnecessary risks, though. I'll say it like it is, Kayla. Had um, Volkov won or had they not needed a MSG main event, I do believe we would have had to see Curtis against one other guy before he's in the heavyweight title picture. That has changed very much since this fight was announced. And I do think that Curtis, I'll say bluntly right now, Curtis wins. He's probably fighting Stipe Miocic for a vacant title in the first half of next year. I think he's aware of that. I think that that's where all the signs are pointing. So if I'm Curtis Blades, I don't care if Nganu looks deer in the headlights. I put him on his back and I just make him work. Use Stipe's strategy, wear him out. Even if he's possum, I want a tired possum. That is how safe I want Curtis Blades to be in this one. He's been gifted a great opportunity. I say really capitalize on it. So I think that's going to be the key. Go ahead. He also has the opportunity to tie Cain Velasquez's most takedowns landed in UFC heavyweight history. And, you know, if that's already a big part of your game plan, isn't it? It's more incentive to go ahead and actually land those takedowns and do some damage to eventually tie or possibly break you know, a Kane Velasquez record and, and, you know, most landed takedowns in heavyweight history. That's huge. So, yeah, I think you're very right to th- to assume that we'll see this fight go to the ground, at least if Curtis Blades has anything to say about it. I, I have a few friends that are, you know, friends with him and say that he's training with the right people, right size, right power. He has some new incentive with, um, you know, his family and having to provide there. And I just think that, yeah, like you said, he sees the opportunity ahead. And not that Francis doesn't see that either, but um, I don't know. It's hard for me to just, it's hard for me to bet on a Francis Ngannou because we need to see him come back from, you know, his, his last performance. And I just see Curtis Blades kind of being in a better headspace and just have more opportunities to kind of drive him, I guess. Let me ask you a very blunt question. Do you think we're going to see a more aggressive Nganu on a Saturday morning? I think so. I think we're going to have to. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who sets the pace here because, of course, you know, Curtis doesn't want to get hit with the uppercut from hell. Um, you know, or something <laughs> similar. Um, but he's going to have to take that chance, obviously, to get in and, and get the, you know, get the fight to the ground if that's where he wants it. And then I just think that um, Nganu, same thing for him. I mean, is he going to be so eager to land more strikes than in his last fight where he landed barely anything? And is that going to kind of rush him? I don't know. I It's just, it's going to be a very telling fight. I hope we don't, I hope we see you know, a better Nganu. I don't want him to be completely washed away because he was on such a great run. I loved his story. I want to see him fight and get over, you know, that mental warfare he was going through. But um, it's just, it's hard to place the bet on that one. I'd be interesting to actually to see what, where the bets are at right now. 
Yeah, you know, so here's how I've been comparing it. If you talk about the Nganu who knocked out Overeem and the Nganu who was in that first five minutes against Stipe as number 10 and the Derek Lewis Nganu as the number one, I expect Nganu, when you look at the scale, I think against Curtis Blades, I personally in my heart think he's going to be at about a six. Not quite that guy who was really going after Stipe, but just a lot better. I feel like, you know, everyone around him has to have just, like, do what they need to do to get him there. I got to say that. Now, let's say, you know, just even if Curtis Blades just holds him down, ground and pound for a victory by decision, if Nganu does look possum, I would not be surprised if the UFC um, makes a move. I don't know if that means cutting him or something, but clearly it would be... I feel like it would be something that the promotion would actually address. And I think Nganu is aware of that. And how, look, I'm not saying it's easy to mentally overcome, you know, what he's going through, but I do believe he's aware of that. And I think the people around him have helped him do the work to get past it. I'm not saying he's going to be that killer again, but I think he's going to be improved. It's what I'm expecting on a Saturday morning. Um, I think we've kind of tipped our hand a little. I am expecting Curtis Blades to pull it out, even if Nganu does look better. I think that Curtis has just improved his game. I think he wasn't doing too bad against Nganu the first time before he lost by eye poke. So I think he's just gotten much better since then. I also know people who have, um, you know, talked with Curtis Blades and are familiar with him. He's been a prospect for a long time and, I think that this is going to be that one that he just, you know, gets over the hump and he gets that big fight afterward. What about you? Oh, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go similar to Overeem. I actually think he's going to get uh, Nganu down and he's going to do the damage and set up the finish he needs. I think submission. I think eventually he's going to get Nganu's neck round the third. That's my mm-hmm. prediction. What about you? Yes, I agree with you and that I think Curtis will have uh, you know, just shown the experience and, and be able to get the finish. But I actually think my, I don't know why my gut's telling me it's going to be by decision. Can I be honest with you? Mm. I really thought you were about to tell me after all that you think Nganu was just going to knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> Always to... keeping it mysterious and interesting, G, but no, I'm saying Curtis played by decision. You had this very big pause that I was like, oh, man, Kayla Beatty is betting the house on him. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think it's going to be um, I, I think it's another one pleasantly surprised. I know they have guys like the leech who I enjoy watching back on the card. And um, yeah, the nice thing is we won't have to wait long. I think the main event, if I'm not mistaken for these, tends to air around 6 to 7 a.m. So you get to wake up have your coffee and see what happened kayla you might have to set a reminder to wake me up though because you know i'll ignore my alarm clock on a saturday but yeah look it's gonna be a lot of fun kayla i told you i would tease it now i'm gonna tell you something that i think is gonna be very scary for both of us are you ready yes i'm sitting down and prepared okay good i was gonna forewarn you kayla next week Bellator is having a back-to-back Friday and Saturday double fight night. The UFC 
is also having a double back-to-back Friday and Saturday night of fights. How the heck are we going to cram all that into one show? Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah, (laughs) happy Kwanzaa to everybody that was begging for some good fights. Thanks a lot. Now we have a lot of homework to do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, so I'm going to be honest. Bellator has some smaller cards. I think that is going to be very helpful. UFC has the Ultimate Fighter finale, Kamaru and RDA. That's a big one for welterweight, obviously. Saturday, Junior Dos Santos versus Tai Tuivasa, I think, is the event. That one is going to be a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. So you and I are going to have our work cut out for us, but I think we're going to get to everything. And what better way to really just give us that momentum for the end of the year? And yeah, Kayla, what are your final thoughts as we wrap up the last show for November? Um, Just that it's going to be a fun Saturday. Like you said, we have fights in the morning and fights in the evening to watch and be entertained with. And I think that December is going to finish it out like they usually do with some great fights. I love when it gets close to the end here because everyone wants to win those awards for knockout of the year, fight of the year. Um, I'm sure somebody's going to give us another uh, contender for one of those categories. So it should be good. I agree. It's going to be a ton of fun. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. I'm holding on that one, Kayla. I can't start talking about it. Like, you want to know something? I think it's going to be like Tony and Habib. If you keep saying it like Beetlejuice, something bad happens. So I'm just going to take my time, but we'll talk about it then. Um, Fans, real quick, if you celebrate, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys enjoy it. Kayla, have a happy Thanksgiving. Much love to you and the fam. And where can fans find you on social media? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you, G? fans you can find me all the time at double g on tv just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week